0: The Garden Report is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media
1: Network. Breaking into the final week of camp, preseason, and all the rest with Sean Hyken, who I've been chasing the talk Celtics and Drew Holiday trade for a week or two here since the trade went down, but still pretty fresh, still getting to know these guys. It's amazing how this all went down, Sean, because when I last talked to you on here in July... We were kicking around, oh, could Lillard end up on the Celtics? How's this going to end up? And it ends up with Lillard on the Bucks. Of course, Holiday has to go to Portland as a salary. And all of a sudden, the Celtics are ready to strike. Brad Stevens said at Media Day, yeah, we saw this developing, and we were ready for all the different scenarios uh, of bringing Holiday to Boston. So, obviously, we were talking Lillard to Miami around the last time we talked. Um that doesn't happen. He goes to the Bucs, who weren't on anyone's radar, really, in terms of Louis no. destinations. And all of a sudden, the Celtics end up with the Bucks' second best player from last <laughs> year, which is just this crazy sequence of events. And now Portland has Rob Williams and Malcolm Brogdon and a bunch of Celtics picks. So wild week that led to this happening here. Even Holiday just seems blown away with it. I know Rob and Brogdon probably are, too, here. Well, at least Rob, but... I, where do you start with all of this? like what, what what's like the first thing you're hottest on on all of this? Like lo, it ended up in Milwaukee, this holiday trade, these new blazers. Like, where's your mind go first? Well, just going back a little bit to when
2: this all went down, which now would be two, three weeks ago, whatever it was, it was the morning of the twenty eighth of September that the Dame trade first happened. And about five minutes before the Woj tweet went out, I got a text from somebody saying, hey, like a trade is imminent. It's going to happen now. And so
1: I had a <laughs> and little you're just bit like, of oh, a heads shit.
2: <laughs> I had a little bit of a heads up, but I was completely in the dark about it being Milwaukee. I found out it was Milwaukee. I found out Milwaukee was even in it when I saw the Woj tweet. So that part of it really caught everybody by surprise. You kind of find out later that, the whole time they had been talking but it was one of those this can't get out we can't even like have anybody know that we're talking type of type of situations and then then it's like okay you see what the trade is and then it's like a few more days of the drew um you know what are they going to do with drew because i don't think anybody thought that drew was ever going to play a second in portland it was just kind of they were going to you know reroute him somewhere and there were a few different teams in the mix i other team that i kind of heard was really heavily pursuing it besides boston was uh utah and i think the issue with utah was that drew maybe wasn't fully willing to say yeah i'll sign an extension here if you guys trade me here and i think if i think if he had been willing to sign an extension there or was more willing to commit long term i think they might have had the winning bid but it's just you know they weren't willing to meet the asking price with you know, that uncertainty, whereas Boston was a, and I just, by the way, I thought it was really funny that uh, I did see Drew's opening press conference in Boston and he went out of his way to talk about how Joe Cronin and the Blazers front office were great to work with. And they helped, you know, were communic they communicated with him and helped get him where he wanted to go, which I just thought was really amusing and worth noting, given all the, I guess, rhetoric that was coming out of Miami in the wake of their not getting dame about yeah. how it was the shadiest organization you know in the nba and all all the all this stuff i just thought it was really funny that that drew holiday who's one of the most respected pros in the nba came out and said basically the opposite but all in all you know i thought that i thought that portland for what they were up against with dame wanting to only go to one team and that one team being miami which is a team that they didn't like really any of the stuff they had they had to offer with them being up against all of that i think the blazers actually did quite well between what they got from the bucks and the Suns, and then what they were able to turn it into from boston when you consider all that stuff i think they actually came out pretty well from the whole thing
1: yeah and they might be able to flip some of these guys further down the line depending on how this goes of course it looks like broad and rob are part of the blazers for now the broad thing surprised me a little bit but uh, those are both guys that could potentially bring back even more value later uh, if they play well to start this year, even if other teams see them as a need. So, mm-hmm. it's it's I, I I don't know how to say it any other way than pyramid scheme. Like they're just bringing back <laughs> players. And well, that, here's here's a
2: way to here's a way that it's not here's instead of calling it a pyramid scheme because a pyramid scheme is like illegal. You know, well, but a pyramid <laughs> scheme is like we have this thing and you have to pay every pay this person who then pays I guess it's sort of the same thing I think it's more like one of those things about like you know those buy nothing groups on Facebook where like you have a paper clip and I'll trade you this paper clip for this thing and then eventually you turn like you see the like the urban legend I like, of it, like
1: the paper clip somebody trade, yeah. who
2: turned a paperclip clip into a house I will say <laughs> that for right now I don't think there is any imminent plans to trade any of the whether it be Brogdon or Robert Williams I don't think they're I don't think it's I mean it is is it within the realm of possibility that Brogdon gets moved before the deadline? Yes, but right now I don't think they're that's really something they're actively taking calls on or looking at cuz I think they feel like this is such a young roster, you know, they're trying to give Scoot Henderson the keys to everything. Their most established scorer is Anthony Simons who is going into his 6th year in the league, but he's still only 24 and like Deandre Ayton's only 25 this roster is all kids. You have to have one adult on the team. Yeah. And so I think they look at Malcolm Brogdon as like, is he going to be here long-term for the next five years with this rebuild? No, but they don't think it's the worst idea in the, in the world to have one adult in the room, as far as a guy actually on the roster that isn't part of the coaching staff. So I think at least for the short term, they're going to keep him around as long as he's cool
1: with it and comfortable with it. And and so far it seems like he has been. Definitely. And, Rob, something of a veteran now too, having gone to the finals yeah. and played in big games for a couple of years here, so you know, two pretty experienced guys coming back who have been part of some winning teams or a winning team in Bryden's case last year, so that's valuable. I do wonder what you think of the return here because if if I was stacking up suitors for Holiday in terms of what they could give up, this Celtics package was pretty good. Like you get the distant picks, you get the swap. Uh, You get Rob, who I think is a good prospect still, played at Defensive Player of the Year caliber just two seasons ago here. Holiday, I mean, uh, Brogdon probably has some interest um, to other teams down the line potentially here. But the team that topped my list was Philly, just because of the whole Harden thing. They have some distant picks that probably look a little more valuable with this Embiid thing up in the air now, and we've talked about that a little bit too. I'm surprised they didn't push him a little more aggressively for this. Miami's Miami. It's sort of funny that if they wanted to go for holiday, they would add a run back to the Blazers again, given how that all went on the list. I don't think front. that so was going to happen. That wasn't going to happen. <laughs> and even I thought like Golden State should have thought about it. We'll see how the Paul thing goes, but holiday seems like a little bit of a better fit for them. And then even the Clippers, you heard their name floating around and they have that distant pick too. And, they could have got a point guard and a defender and facilitator and all of that so the fact that the celtics got in on this for brogdon a guy who they were probably trying to move off anyway unsuccessfully all summer rob who at his best is amazing but if you're relying on him given the health and all the less rest it's a really precarious situation to be in if you have the short window that the celtics seem like they do now and a couple of distant picks which if you're trying to win a championship now, aren't a huge deal. It's not like they had to give up like two unprotected here. They give up one unprotected in a swap. So I'm surprised the price didn't get driven up a little bit higher because it felt like the whole league was at least interested in holiday. A lot of teams
2: were interested. It's just a matter of what was Portland looking for. And I don't think they were looking for just draft equity. I think they wanted actual players that they yeah. could either keep or, or flip the Sixers thing. I don't know if I I, I heard that. I know the Sixers called. I don't think they were willing to give up those picks because I think they know that like, they're going to maybe lose Harden soon. And then if they lose Harden and they don't get enough back, then, you know, who knows what that's going to do with Embiid. So I think they wanted to protect themselves against that. I don't know where, where the Clippers stood in all this. Like again, the other team that I heard that was pretty aggressive about it was Utah. The Jazz, yeah. But it was just a question of like that that was, I think, a situation where like maybe the the two, you know, salaries and veteran guys that were gonna be coming back might have been like Kelly Olinick and Colin Sexton, who are both guys that have value if you wanna flip them too. But then it was just a matter of I think Portland at one point was pushing to get Taylor Hendricks, who was just their lottery pick. And I think Utah didn't want to do that. But then it was like, if Drew is willing to commit long-term to the Jazz, maybe one of those picks that they get back becomes one of those Minnesota picks that they have that they got from the Gobert trade. or It was like that kind of thing. And I think just from from a both-sides standpoint, Boston fit the kind of profile of the type of team that should be trying to trade for Drew Holiday with the idea of extending him because they have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in their primes and signed long-term. And their window right now is, we have to win a championship right now because we have all this money committed and this is what you know what our priorities are. And that's the type of team that should be trading for Drew Holiday. And so I think that's, uh, I, th- I think that's, you know, I, it just, I th- I think from both sides, this deal made some sense.
1: Yeah, I was gonna ask you if you're the Celtics, would you rather have that depth with Rob and Brogdon off the bench and alongside Horford and Porzingis, or that great, great top six that they now have with Holiday, but a lot of questions behind it. Yeah, but then you also you, you 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 lost Marcus Smart as part of the Drew Holiday thing, so now you
2: get to kind of replace some of that production and some of some of you know what he
1: brought there i think
2: i think it made i think it made sense for both sides
1: yeah and you get the guy if you're potentially going up against Milwaukee here who knows them <laughs> in and out you know who this is really tough for is miami not only did they build their whole offseason around
2: getting dame and then not get him but their one of their biggest uh eastern conference rivals ends up getting dame instead and then their other biggest eastern conference rival gets probably the second best player to move that's going to like move the needle in terms of playoff stuff so that's that's pretty tough for them
1: I love that story and I know it's not of great interest to Celtics fans but the whole Portland Miami fallout and just how it went so bad and and Miami just thought they had the shoe in for Lillard and the whole offseason seemed to gear toward that and then they end up with nothing and I know Lillard wasn't thrilled about that either and you know he had some comments or whatever about the whole way it went down and he wanted to go back to Portland and whatever happened there but Man, did Miami get screwed. And if if Portland really had that sense that, you know, the, owner, uh, the agent was just trying to guide him there and it was screwing the market and blah, 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 blah. They came out so great. And whatever Miami was trying to organize behind the scenes there potentially just blew up in their face in a big way. And they might figure it out. I'm not going to rule them out because I did it early last year and they made the finals. They'll but... still be pretty good <laughs> if that's the thing. Like, they're like... I think you can look at it
2: on paper and say, yeah, they lost Struess and they lost Vincent and they like they got worse short term. But it's like if Jimmy and Bam are healthy in the playoffs, they're still going to be pretty good. But yeah, as far as like all of those, you know, the the way the summer went, I don't want to rehash it a ton. But the A, Portland never really liked miami stuff that much like you couldn't do
1: with hero what you did with holiday here no
2: then that's and i think now it's becoming pretty clear that that was kind of the plan the whole time and then i think the other part of it is and i understand why dame's agent aaron goodwin was approaching it the way that he was because when you're an agent your job is to get your guy where your guy wants to go and so you Mm -hmm. do whatever you can to try to discourage other teams from trading for your guy But I think Miami from the beginning of the process felt like because they're going, because Goodwin is going so hard to try to steer him to Miami, we don't have to make a serious offer and Portland is going to just have to be forced to take, you know, not even our best offer for him. So... You know, I think Portland looked at that and was like, okay, if that's the way you're going to approach it, we're just not going to deal with you at all. And again, I think it it worked out well for everybody, because Dame, even though he didn't get to Miami, which is the place that he said he wanted to go, he got to a pretty perfect basketball situation, and he's going to have the best chance to contend that he's ever had. So... I, you know, you can't say, oh, they like, this isn't like a Blake Griffin situation where the Clippers just shipped him, shipped him off to Detroit with no, you know, with no warning. And that was just not like, uh, you know, and they, you can say they quote unquote did him dirty. Like the Blazers got a deal they liked while also getting Dame to a situation that kind of had what he wanted. So I think everybody ended up winning in the end.
1: Yeah. Especially the Bucks And we'll get to them in a second. Uh, I do want to talk about Brogdon and Rob though, because Celtics fans as much as they love acquiring Holiday here, they're going to miss Rob a lot. We'll get to that right after this.
0: A um, couple things we want to tell you. Once again, want to remind you about our sponsors here at The Garden Report. And again, FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. And snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel. If you haven't already, the season is well underway. We are in week four. Bobby Manning absolutely squawked one out against oh, yeah. against, uh, against me. Uh, this weekend in our little fantasy matchup with the late Matt Stafford garbage time touchdown, but hey, Yo, you know it was fun
1: last week too. Betting the Dolphins, and
0: oh my goodness gracious, the <laughs> amount of dough my friends made off of Dolphins pro- props parlays and this and that. Holy wow! Oh you God. all, you if you bet anything in that Dolphins game, you hit um last week so that was amazing but the offer here you can get a Fanduel is uh you, you know bet five get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed that's all you have to do is bet five win or lose you get that uh so if you've been thinking about joining go ahead and do it go to fanduel.com Slash Boston once again, fanduel.com slash Boston. Fanduel, the official partner in the NFL and the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. You have to be 21 and over here and present in Massachusetts to take part in the deal. Hope is here. If you have any sort of issues with gambling, uh, you can go to gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24 7 support as for that deal restrictions do apply the bonus bets expire in seven days check out terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com
1: all right let's talk rob i wasn't devastated to see him go i think you reached a point after 35 games last year the two surgeries an uneven year when he was even on the court and he came off the bench under the new coach who seemed to like going smaller and went away from that double big lineup they used on the way to the finals always felt like he could give you more offensively than he ultimately did even defensively a lot of the allure and impact he made came off the ball rather than guarding bigs on the ball here so how could this go wrong at least from a raw perspective in this trade for the Celtics, does Rob become an all-star or double-double guy or get back to that defensive player of the year caliber? I guess it could happen. I just think the chance of that is low enough where you don't really worry about it. And Brad said they were only going to trade Rob in a deal like this for a guy you had to have. I wonder how, you know, we we kicked around here in Boston. Do you put Horford in this deal, given the age and all the rest and maintaining the upside of Rob. But I even said like, even considering Horford's age, even considering Rob's upside, Horford just, even last year was still so much more reliable than Rob, despite Rob at his best, really looking like something special here. So I think most Celtics fans looked at it and said, stinks. Rob's going to go down as one of those great what ifs in, in, in Celtics history. But, it was time, and I wish him all the best. I think he's going to a pretty good situation in Portland if he gets to play with Scoot, and he seems healthy. Well, actually, no, he's, he's already hurt. He hasn't played in the preseason yet. So, like, I'm just imagining, like, if the Celtics didn't do this, and instead of, like, Holly coming in, Porzingis, and all this new stuff and the excitement of it, we'd be talking about Brogdon being upset, and rob being hurt and maybe holidays in philly or miami or something like that and it's like man you should have done that deal so like i was torn on the idea of doing this deal originally now seeing how everything's gone i think it was a no-brainer but i'm excited to see what rob can do in portland yeah i'm real anxious to see what he looks like when he
2: actually gets out there he i just to be clear i've been told that, that this thing right now is not anything serious he banged knees with Jeremy Grant, and I don't think it is the same knee. I don't know exactly which knee it is, but I don't think it's this. I was told that it might be the, a different knee than the one that he had the surgery on and stuff. So, Because one of his knees, I think it's his right one. I think it's right. He has a big, he like, he wears a brace on that is yeah. just, you know, something he's going to have to wear, you know, for the rest of his career. I think it was the other knee, and it was, like, apparently, it was the kind of thing where, like, if it was a regular season game, he could have played, but they just have been holding him out for preseason because it's preseason but as i i haven't been told he's ruled out for the regular season so i would expect that until you hear otherwise now it's always possible that just given his injury history that it's that it doesn't but from what i understand i don't think this is anything they're concerned about long term now with that said they know they're not going to get 82 games a year out of him because that's just his body is not going to hold up to it which is why Right after the trade happened, I, you know, started seeing all these questions about. Well, so what are they going to do with him? Is he going to start? Is is he going to start with DeAndre Ayton? Are they going to play two centers? And it's like I'd no, like to see that. I would. It's. I mean, maybe they will in some lineups. Yeah. But Rob can't start because his body won't hold up. To him. No. He's going to come off the bench,
1: and that's just what's going to happen. What do you think of his game? Do you think there's some real upside to tap into here? He fits the type of. Big that they're looking
2: for, like they, they've want you know you go you go from Yusuf Nurkic to like a you know real athletic you know above the rim type you know rim protector and and finisher type of guy. Like I think that I think there is some upside there. Again, the the real question with him is always just his health.
1: Yeah, and the offensive aggressiveness, the Mm. conditioning, all the rest. It's going to be interesting because the one thing I like about the situation here, and you know the fit with Aiton's interesting because Aiton's probably going to be the guy they prioritize and give minutes to and all the rest. Mm -hmm. Can he just go out there on a team that's rebuilding and take a bunch of shots, try expanding his range, try doing some different stuff offensively, because he has it in him. You saw the flashes in Boston, but it's so different playing on a team that's trying to win a championship and really trying to fit into a narrow role and being on a team where you can... Get aggressive and try some stuff while you're losing a lot. <laughs> so like Yeah, that's try
2: some stuff while you're losing a lot is kind of the is gonna is kinda gonna be the MO for the motto of the Portland Trail. this, this season. Yes. I've been I've been trying to prepare people for it because I've you know I've been covering the league for a long time. I've covered rebuilding teams, I've covered teams that are in the playoffs, I covered one uh Western Conference finals teams in 20, in twenty nineteen. I'm trying to prepare people for just, you know, I get questions from Blazer fans or people who follow me and read my work about what to expect this season. And I'm just, I'm trying to tell them just from the beginning, do not have, do not think about wins and losses because they're going to record-wise, like, I think it's pretty likely they're going to be the worst team in the West and maybe even the worst team in the NBA. Like you look at maybe like Detroit is going to be worse or Washington. There's like maybe a couple of teams you can say are worse than them, but this is not a team that's going to win a lot of games. So this is really an evaluation year for like, what can they get out of scoot as far as, uh, you know, you know, the the progression that he makes. And to me personally, I think that scoot, uh, The real jump from Scoot where you're like, oh, this guy's going to be a star, I think is going to come in year two. And there's going to be a lot of growing pains in year one just because it's really hard for 19-year-old point guards to adjust to the NBA level without making a lot of mistakes. And, you know, there's like the whole Shaden Sharp thing where like he's probably going to come off the bench to start the season. So it's like, like, what's that? going to look like as far as his role and then you know is DeAndre Ayton really going to be able to reinvent himself and then like are they going to move Brogdon at the deadline there's all this stuff but it's like they're going to be trying all this kind of stuff but they're not going to win a lot of games so this is a great if, if Robert Williams you know for however much he's able to stay healthy wants to expand his
1: game and prove he can do more on the offensive end yeah like this is a good spot for him to do it definitely and he is Sean Hyken check out the Rose Garden Report where he covers the Blazers uh, for his subscribers, we just put the link in the uh, chat there, and it'll be in the bio as well. Let's talk Brogdon. Again, bummer. awesome year. Gets hurt at the end. How much did he want to just head to a new situation and you know be able to uh, produce at a high level again as a regular contributor and ahead of his contract extension here? I- I'm curious about that because he gets hurt. You don't really hear from him all summer there's reports leading up to camp that he was angry over the way the injury was handled and i know he didn't love the fact that he came off the bench and you know shared some sentiment about that later in the season when things started to go wrong but he wins sixth man of the year really plays his role so well seemed to become a voice in the room that was positive for boston and he was going to be here for a couple more years and You know, you see the report, obviously he was originally out in the Porzingis deal. So he's going to be gone in that anyway, if it went through, but then you see reports after of them just trying to move off the contract or, you know, the talks came back up again with LA. So what are you getting back at that point? Like a Powell maybe or something like that. So I would have hated moving off him if you were downgrading or just moving off the money here. Now, of course, bringing Holiday back, it's a no brainer and he's just the money going out in this deal. Um, but still a guy who I think has a lot left to offer, especially offensively defensively he really disappointed me last year. I didn't know he was that shaky on the ball uh, with guys going by him and just the agility and all that. So I do think he was part of their step back defensively and the playmaking. I know drove fans crazy too, but I don't think that was really his role on this team. But just like with Rob come off the bench with this team, score a million points, and I think probably end up on a contender by the deadline. Clippers make some sense. And of course, they've had interest. Miami would really be the most compelling storyline from a Celtics perspective here. Like this. Again, are right they gonna Miami. trade with each other though? Are we'll they gonna see. trade with each other? Cause I do think that's the one thing that makes Celtics fans a little leery here with this is if he ends up on Miami and really, you know, along with the motivation of going at Boston, if there's any disc you know added motivation there being on a team where he might really fit in and help that has just had the Celtics number these last couple of years so that's what I'm interested in but for now I'm surprised says he wants to be in Portland says he mm. loves phillips and you know well, they he's, have he's a really
2: they have a relationship that goes back a few years in my understanding back Yeah, from back to when he was on the Bucks and uh somebody, I don't know who it was, but somebody in the Bucks front office who's also a friend of Chauncey's like connected them when Malcolm first got in the league and they got to know each other and developed a relationship. And at least for right now, I've gotten the impression that Brogdon is totally cool, you know, coming off the bench and being the veteran on a rebuilding team. I don't think he's gonna be cool with that forever. I think it's, you know, at a certain point, whether it's At the deadline or next offseason when he's going into the last year of his contract, there might be a conversation where it's like, look, you know, I did the rebuilding, you know, being the veteran leader on a rebuilding team thing. But, you know, maybe maybe I'd like to go somewhere where I can win. And then that's something that I think would be facilitated. But for right now, they you know, he seems like he's happy to be there. They seem like they're happy to have him. And I don't anticipate anything happening imminently
1: with that. How's he looked so far? I see fifty-five percent, fifty from three on four shots only, but you know he's out yeah. there. He looks good. He looks like Malcolm Brogdon. He he knows
2: what he's doing. It's it, what's been interesting about it is they've been playing him. He hasn't played that much because I think you know in these preseason games the veterans they're like even even like the first game when they aren't playing. You know, when Chauncey wasn't playing the starters. The second half he was still playing Scoot. The second half because Scoot's 19 and he's never played in the NBA before and he needs the reps but like guys like Aiton and Brogdon and Jeremy Grant weren't playing uh you know the second half so you can't really say like these guys are playing their full minutes loads. but one thing that was interesting was that when Brogdon was playing he would be the first sub off the bench and he would usually come in for Anthony Simons and Scoot would be playing off ball which is something that I think they're trying to get Scoot more comfortable doing because they didn't really do a ton of that in the G League. But that's something I think they're trying to do. I would think it would be the opposite, yeah. Well, I think the thing is they're trying to... I mean, yes, you would think it would be the opposite, but also I think they're trying, because again, because they are not trying to win this year and they're trying to just, like, figure out what works and try stuff, right. they're trying to make that be something Scoot adds to his game so that in a couple of years, when it is time for them to try to win, that's something he's capable of doing. And so far, it's been real interesting to watch Scoot because, you know, the, week, you know, the, the criticism that people kind of had of him coming into the draft was his shooting and his off the dribble shot and his catch and shoot shot are totally different shots like he, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me but like when he's taking threes on catch and shoots he's fine like he's making a decent amount of those but when it, when he's trying to create off the dribble it's totally different it's pretty rough and i wonder if like i think that's something they're trying to eventually you know get him to add to his game but it's something they're bringing along slowly so it's it's just been interesting to watch them playing him and brogdon together with scoot playing off the ball
1: Two quick notes out of this because I mm. am excited to watch Scoot. But man, you watch Wembinyama and you wonder what could have been. <laughs> they were Spot one fun. digit off in the lottery. I was in the lottery room.
2: It's gonna be something. I think I've been a good trying chance. to tell people, by the way. Like, I have friends. I don't I don't personally bet on anything, but there were uh people who were you know saying, like, hey, should I bet on Scoot to win rookie of the year? Or should I and you know, there's a lot of on, chet
1: buzz right now. Early yeah. on
2: in the, earlier on in the season, I was like, Yeah, you know what? You know, I don't, you know, it's harder for big men to get used to uh, you know, the NBA level and like Oklahoma City is gonna low manage chet because of the uh you know, the foot injury that he's coming off of. I've seen enough Wemby highlights in the regular season. I'm just like there is a zero percent chance Scoot is winning rookie of the year if Wemby even plays fifty games, like that that's it.
1: Yeah, and I said Coming out of those summer league games where we saw him out there, and it was a little sloppy. Even if there's some offensive acclamation he needs to go through, and he's going to be a top a... ten
2: defensive player in the league. The
1: defense they? is just it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. yeah, like all he has to do is just run around and wave his arms, and balls are coming He'll loose. And... <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Wemby's Wemby's going to. And by the way, I checked on it, and the and the rookie of the year is not one of the awards. that's subject to the sixty five game minimum. So. They could load manage Wemby, and he can still win
1: Rookie of the Year. I hope they don't load manage Wemby. And I don't
2: think they're going to. I think Chad is going to be load managed because he's coming off the broken foot where he missed his whole rookie season. But Wemby, I think, wants to play, and I think they're ready to have him play. Uh, I I just – Scoot is not winning Rookie of the Year. For for those of you who are betting on stuff, that's – the two things I, you should not take betting advice from me. Cause again, I don't bet on stuff, but <laughs> the two things I would say is one, it's probably a waste of your money to bet on scoop winning rookie of the year. And two, whatever the blazers win total is take the under.
1: Yeah. You can find those at FanDuel. Um Sure. <laughs> ne- if ne- Nerkic goes to- up, uh, yeah. goes out in this deal too, which I'm curious about. Um, and we'll get to Lillian in just a second, but real quick on Nerkic. Cause I do find it interesting him heading to Phoenix in this. I don't get it from Phoenix's perspective because I liked Aiton and I know things went a little sour there. So maybe it was just about getting out of that situation. But the one thing that I am a little curious about, and you know, you've obviously watched him going up against Jokic with Portland, but does he have like a little, you know, edge against Jokic given his physicality, given his size, and especially the fact that he played with him in Denver. Like, could that be a sneaky edge for Phoenix? That's what I'm most curious about.
2: The Nurkic part of the deal was interesting to me and I think it's one of those situations where both the Blazers and the Suns just decided that it was time to do something else with that position and that both of those players maybe needed a fresh start. From what I've heard the uh the Aiden Phoenix stuff was pretty irreparable. Like I don't think it was a I th- I think it was a matter of like they just wanted to get, you know, they just they, he ne- they wanted him gone, he wanted to be gone. It was just time for that to to, to go that way from their standpoint. I think I, I, I obviously, yes, from a talent standpoint, it's a downgrade going from Aiden to Nurkic, but I think the way that you would rationalize it from their standpoint is their roster is so top heavy where, you know, you had Beal, Duran and Booker on max deals. And then Aiden, when he was there and the whole, uh, the other 11 guys on the roster were vet men guys. So I think the idea was that you take Aiton's money and spread it out among three or four other guys because they get back Nurkic in that deal. They get back Grayson Allen from Milwaukee, who's going to be a rotation player from them. They got Nasir Little from Portland, who can be a rotation player for them. Like they, you, you, you have a little bit more depth and a little bit more of a balanced roster. We haven't even talked about what is already the buzz in Portland about who the real prize of that trade was, and that's Tamani Kamara, their second-round pick who came back because he basically had to be salary that was included from Phoenix's end to make the money work. And he's looking like he's probably going to get minutes night one in Portland.
1: Yeah. You laughed at that because he was obviously the overlooked one in that trade. But right, I also but remember just sitting back at summer league. at what was he? He's with the Suns, obviously 52nd pick. He, he played well in Vegas. He looked Good at summer league. Yeah. yeah and so. then I, mean,
2: I know they brought The Blazers brought him in for a workout before the draft. So he had been on the radar. Yeah, um, but he looks—he looks real good. He looks like he's gonna actually earn minutes pretty quickly. That would be really Back Backup if he, power forward.
1: If he, if he. Tom Haberstroh had
2: a tweet the other night where he was saying that he thinks uh, Kamara is gonna be the Walker Kessler of the Dame trade, and honestly, I could see it. Right. Yeah, I'm so. still kind of iffy on the whole Ayton thing. Like, obviously, the, from a talent standpoint, it's an upgrade from Nurkic. I want to see it for a long stretch of time and I want to see, you know, if he, you know, he's talked for years about wanting to expand his game and wanting to do more than he was able to do in Phoenix. I want to see that happen. I'm, I'm, I'm not as much, I'm not as like, oh, this is a home run. This is going to be, you know, a, you know this is going to be a huge, you know, he's this guy of the, few. like, I, I, I'm, I'm a little wait and see on, on the eight piece of it.
1: Yeah, the good thing is money's not really a concern for Portland yet. So the fact money's that not a concern so much, and wins aren't a concern because they yeah it doesn't matter at all. Here, yeah, that he's just a guy and he gets a yeah. fresh start. I've always yeah. liked the talent, but how he can does put he up get? put up twenty and ten, which he could probably do on a team like this where he's going to be getting as many shots as he is. I mean, he was a center on a finals team. He that was. has to matter. He that was. has to matter. I I lean eight and defender, where a lot of the sentiment is. Gone against them especially where he was drafted and all the rest but i like that a lot for portland i'm excited to watch portland this year also excited to watch the bucks we're going to talk about them real quick before we let sean go here but first
0: ever wish you could navigate the betting field with the confidence of a pro enter odds are they're not a sports book but they're the sports betting advisor you always needed. it's like having a playbook for smarter bets right in your pocket i've been absolutely loving the experience and i think you will too especially since Celtics all-access listeners get a 30-day free trial. Elevate your game day and join the smart betting revolution. Go get it at oddsar.com slash Celtics. That's oddsar.com slash Celtics.
1: So, Lord, I don't know what to make of this in terms of how worried Celtics fans should be here it's obviously an enticing duo they took a little hit in the depth department to get this done but when you're adding a talent of this level it doesn't really matter and even just watching them dip their toe in the water of utilizing that duo with Giannis screening and Lillard spotting up in the third quarter there uh, this our second quarter rather this is this is a really enticing pick and roll duo that I think might actually be capable of producing what I thought Harden and Embiid could have that just ended up being a little bit more awkward and like, not productive overall. This, I think, could really be that special pick and roll combination where Giannis is all in on screening and rolling and Lillard's making those great decisions on the ball, spotting up from deep it's going to be devastating. There really isn't an answer for this pick and roll combination. Of course, they got great shooters everywhere. So this is going to be a menace to deal with, but are they the prohibitive East favorite you think? I don't know about prohibitive. I think it's
2: them and Boston in kind of a tier where you can land wherever you want to land on which one you think is better. But I think it's those two. And then there's a little bit of a drop. And then whoever you want to put in of like Philly, if Harden plays or like if you think the Cavs are going to take a step or you think the Knicks are going to take, like, I think it's clearly the one and two is in some order, Boston, Milwaukee, but that's, it's those two, the, the Middleton piece of it, I think is going to be the thing that really swings it for, for, for me, whether he's, whether he's able to stay healthy and be the guy that he was a couple of years ago, or if he misses a bunch of time and, that you know they, they have a hard time replacing that production. That's going to be the piece of it that swings
1: it. for And me. how many in your time covering the league? How many? Yeah, we're just ramping him up. He's good. He's 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 fine. He'll Dude, be ready. How of many the, of those yeah. go well? <laughs> it's
2: I mean it's not great. I don't I don't love it. I don't love his recent injury history. But yeah. uh, to answer your question, I do think the Dame Giannis combination is going to be pretty tough to stop. And I I thought I thought they looked okay yesterday in that first preseason game. You can't really judge a ton. Off of a, somebody's first preseason game, uh, especially when you know it's it's you know they didn't have Middleton and it was like their first like they were just they only played the first half basically or maybe they played like a little. bit. I turned it off at halftime because I was just like I don't need to watch more than one half of a preseason game. Like I'm I'm good, but I think they'll be fine. I think they're going to be I think they're going to be really really good. I think they're going to win a lot of games in the East in the regular season. Whether they can you know, win three playoff series to get to the finals and win the title, I think that's going to depend on the Middleton side of it and the
1: Lopez side of it as far as, like, can those guys stay healthy? Is the defense a real concern here, or do you think it's something they can get around with the two bigs? I mean, I think their defense is still going to be
2: decent. It's certainly going from Drew to Dame is going to be a downgrade on that end. I think... The bet that they're making is that the offensive upgrade is going to be is going to outweigh that
1: yeah and and i've heard some takes from a couple of people who have said you know i don't know if i would have moved on from holiday to do this and i i think oh it's that's worth that discussing to me that's ridiculous bit. that's
2: that's like
1: yeah it's a little too far about? that's
2: a that's a little bit of a galaxy brain thing where it's like like what are you talking about like dame and Giannis together oh yeah i don't want to do that because it, it might be a little bit of a.
1: Come on. They had to do it, right? Yeah, and
2: if you have this, especially with Giannis, you know, doing those interviews this summer where he was like, oh, "I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to stay or not," and it's like, okay, uh, like the, and then you have the opportunity to get Dame, like, yeah, do it. No, yeah, you kind of because now that takes to... that that probably takes Giannis leaving next summer off the board. Now,
1: oh, definitely, so, especially since it's like, locked in for so long. That's here. what you that's uh, you you
2: had to make that move if you're the, if you're and it, and there's a good chance it works out for. Him.
1: And Holiday, so this is the real pause I have about Holiday, and it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. 33, expiring contract if he opts out, so could go in the free agency next summer. Can't technically extend till April, uh, so maybe something's agreed behind the scenes. I think maybe there's a probably wink, wink.
2: an understanding that they're going to work something out when it's time to work something out.
1: Yeah, and I just wonder how big it's going to be because he technically is eligible to get up to 50, with the 140% raise here, which I don't think would happen. Uh, But if he plays great this year and, you know, he's coming off of multiple amazing seasons and a championship in 2021, that's a hefty price for a guy who's in his mid-30s. And you got Horford now, and it's a little bit of an older roster that's certainly getting more expensive now. And I do like the idea of some teams, Boston's part of this group now, Phoenix did it, that despite all the panic, and fear-mongering over the second apron and some of the penalties are tough here mm-hmm. is it really that prohibitive to where if you have the talent and you it's really time to go for it you're just going to blow through it and deal with it i think that's a better move than trying to cut along the edges and stay below that line and avoid i don't know what is it just a mid-level exception you can't use and not being able to get a buyout guy and the trade stuff is scary you know if you get stuck but i don't know nothing scares me enough here to where i'm concerned with the celtics expanding the salary of their team the way they have especially where it seems like ownership's willing to pay the tax yeah
2: no i think this i think just for what their timeline is they just signed jalen brown to that big extension and this is the time to go for it and drew I, I don't think drew Holiday is going to be getting 50 million a year on his next. i don't extension. think so either. i know that's something he's eligible for but i think it it might be a situation where whatever he's making now like low 30s they might just do that for three more years at his age as you know the third guy on this team
1: because they're going to have to
2: pay Tatum soon too right
1: yeah he's so his deal will begin 2526 so they got yeah, one more year after so, this with him so that's th-
2: there's just all this like i i, I think i think they'll probably figure something out but yeah i mean the the Celtics are absolutely in the position where this is the kind of thing they should be doing is just going forward and trying to get as much high end talent as possible and worrying about the cost later.
1: Definitely. And we'll see how Joe does. Seems more comfortable this year. Got the staff. Um, They're going to try some stuff, you know, shake up some stuff. They have new assistants. So that all seems to be going well in camp. So far we are through two weeks of camp week three starts now. Celtics play the Knicks tomorrow. When's the next Blazers game? tonight oh perfect so you can go check out no rob's trying not playing right and i would be shocked if he is i won't be i won't be even watching that. <laughs> what doing tonight. sean is anti-preseason i'm not even I totally anti-preseason
2: get. i just had tickets to a show tonight and i'm not and i was just like i'm not
1: <laughs> so do skipping. i so i will not be watching i'm the not Blazers skipping either. that to watch a preseason game like i'm sorry <laughs> luckily The regular season is just about a week away. Uh, Sean's going to have all your Blazers coverage, which will be of interest to Celtics fans now, which is awesome. So go subscribe to the Rose Garden Report if you want to keep up with Rob, how Brogdon's doing this year, and just how that interesting young roster is. I think those are always fun teams to follow. And, of course, it's 10 o'clock games and all the rest. So go subscribe and keep tabs if you can't watch every game out there. It's a good way to do it. Uh, I put the link in the bio. um, Bio. Description as well as the chat here. Sean, always great talking to you. Thanks for taking the time today. And uh, we'll catch up soon. Unfortunately, uh, Celtics Blazers in Boston until April. So hopefully Rob's still there and able to make his return to Boston with them. We'll see. All right. Yeah. See Good you talking. guys soon. The
0: CLNS Media Network is powered by FanDuel. Sign up at fanduel.com Boston and get in on the action with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose.